Hey guys, thank you so much for um, <clears throat> incorporating the remainder of the Aztecs notes into your notes. Um, but basically, just like all societies, Aztec, the Aztec society experience changes over time. And we talked in class that the Aztec, the various Aztec emper emperors expanded. And as they kept expanding over time, the Aztecs split into seven Kalpuli, and basically that's like seven clans, and they're kind of like residential groupings, neighbors, allies. Um, most of local life was based on the Kalpuli, and that's how things were organized, whether it was, you know, temples or schools, and not all of these clans were of equal status, all right? As time goes on, though, nobility emerges, right? So not all these clans were of different status, and then on top of that, you have the Pipitiln, which is basically the nobility. And this is based on certain privilege. And eventually, <clears throat> the nobility will be overshadowed by the military, which we'll be talking about on Thursday. So, there was a growing social gap between the nobility and the commoners, and that's extremely important, because as the empire continues to grow, that gap's going to get bigger. Um, egalitarian principles are gone. We're kind of moving into almost like a feudalistic state. Um, states and throughout the um, Aztec Empire. Uh, social distinctions were extremely apparent. Uh, there were hairstyles and clothing restrictions depending where you stood in society. Um, this nobel nobility acquired more private lands, new levels of serfs and slaves were <clears throat> introduced. Um, scribes, artisans, healers, uh, these uh, uh, these are important uh, groups, particularly like in Tenochtitlan and in, in like the city areas. Um, <clears throat> there were merchants. Um, uh, religion is still an extremely important part, um, but please keep in mind that this is, you know, there there is this emerging conflict between these different classes. What I want you to think about for classes is: it okay to use our, you know, twenty twenty one Western thought process? to analyze this conflict in the Western, in, in, in the Aztec world, right? Um, you know, because it is a different, A, not only is it a different time period, but it's also a very different culture. And so I want you to think about that. Um, at the peak, uh, basically kind of the end of the 1400s, you know, right around, this is also right around the time Columbus is gonna sell the ocean blue. There are about 20 million in the Aztec empire. And uh, each of these, uh, the empire is divided and, and these, um, states and each they're um, what we call great a great uh, speaker in each each city state right so as it's when it's at its peak we have like actual legit city states and these speakers are considered a living god they have a magnificent court um you know you couldn't look him in his eyes um you had to you know just a, a significant amount of power and you had to recognize that power um and so I do want to, you know, when we talk about, you know, well, was it successful, right? Because the empire is so big. We've talked about when empires get too big, it's difficult to govern. Well, the thing is, is that I want you to think about is the empire was never truly integrated. These great speakers saw themselves as equal to the emperor, right? So the, there was one main emperor over the Aztecs and they have these great, great speakers. So that's a little tricky. Um, and so I want you to think about that as, as you know, we move, <coughs> we move forward. So... Um, you know, Cortez is going to arrive and, um, I asked you for homework, you know, which explorer during the years of 1453 and 1644 made the biggest global impact. So I'm really looking forward to reading your, your answers, but 
but basically, you know, what, what we're going into, and this is a beautiful chapter that beautifully transitions us into your sophomore history year, but the age of exploration, this is a loosely defined era. It lasts about 200 years from mid 1400s to the mid 1600s. And, you know, who, who is, who makes the biggest global impact? And so I can't reach reading answers, but I do want to introduce you to Hernan Cortez. He was born in 1484. He was, um, of like a poor noble family, if that makes any sense. And basically in 1504, he, he embarked on an expedition, right? And in 1511, he arrived in Santo Domingo, which today is Dominican Republic. And he had 11 ships. He had 500 soldiers. He had 16 horses. Remember the importance of horses. And he then moved on to Cuba. Um, one of his top sailors, Diego Velasquez, helped the conquest of Cuba. Um, in 1518, Cortez persuaded Velasquez to become governor and, you know, basically, you know, make him commander of this expedition and um, dividing and conquering the power, right? Cortez is really also worried about his his soldiers or sail- sailors defecting, so he, he wanted to promote Velasquez. Well, shortly before Cortez um, set sail, um, he uh, ended up canceling Velasquez's, um, I'm sorry, Velasquez cancels Cortez's request to move forward and keep conquering. Cortez ignores this and sets off and um, he arrives at Veracruz and he made allies with the locals there. And very important name is he met a woman by the name of Donna Malinche. Right, and the image that you're looking at is at the bottom of your screen is an extremely important primary source. Um, she is a controversial figure um, because um, she becomes his translator, and she also becomes the mother of his child. Their child is considered the first real Mexican, um, a child of European and native descent. And why she's controversial is because was she forced to be his translator, or did she um, trait like was she a traitor to her Native American people? But basically, she helps him along as he's sailing along the coast, where to go. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He ends up battling with the Ixalacans. and this is just a, a group along the coast. As he's his main goal is to get to Tenochtitlan. Um, the Spaniards, of course, uh, won. Um, and also another thing too is, um, as he's moving, as he's moving forward, um, you know, some of these Aztec city states are kind of tired of the Aztec rule, and so they're like, hmm, let's see what let's see what these Spaniards have to offer, right? So, um, like I said, his main his main goal is Tenochtitlan. So he makes a three month journey to Tenochtitlan. I've mentioned this multiple times in class that there are, um, you know, prophecies um, that that, you know, Quetzalcoatl might return to earth. Um, and, and, you know, Cortez arrives and he's white skinned and curly hair. And, and so, um, the Aztecs are, are intrigued. They're fascinated with the horses. Um, and so, you know, you know, Cortez and the Spaniards are, are just fascinated. They're horrified by the, by the human sacrifice, but they're also just blown away with how amazing Tenochtitlan is. Um, Originally, Montezuma, this is Montezuma II, his initial response was he lavished them with gifts. He, you know, he kept their sleeping quarters very close to the Eagle Warriors, of course, right? Just because he was a little nervous. Well, relations start to deteriorate quickly, and Cortez ends up holding Montezuma as prisoner and demands a huge ransom. Remember, he's going for gold, right? Um, 
our good bud Velasquez in 1520 Velasquez sends uh, Navarro's to capture and steal command from Cortez and so basically uh, Cortez left because he knows about this he's warned and meets Navarro's and beats Navarro's so the problem is is since Cortez left Tenochtitlan to beat this Navarro's guy when he returned back from this uh, Tenochtitlan is just there's a revolt like a massive revolt and there's protests, and so Cortez makes Montezuma face the crowd and, you know, basically, you know, tell your people to stop. But um, the protesters end up throwing, throwing stuff at Montezuma, and Montezuma is killed. Um, and so basically, at this point, it's like, oh my heavens, like, it's a, just a mess. And so the Spanish had to escape. And this is, I told you this, you know, they start filling their pockets with, with gold, and um, um, they're hiding in this, like, church area, and... Uh, one of the Spaniards actually died from smallpox. Big, 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 very important. Y'all make smallpox very big in your notes. Um, once this, the Spaniards left, the Aztecs looted his uniform. And guess what? That smallpox was on his uniform and that is going to spread. Um, Cortez and his buds, they are able to escape. In 1521, they returned to Tenochtitlan and there is a three-month siege. Three million Aztecs died from smallpox. Cortez built Mexico City on the ruins and settled, um, uh, basically became a Spanish settlement. Um, 1523, Cortez was named governor um, and then the general governor of uh, New Spain. Uh, and then in 1528, he was forced to return to Spain. The Spanish king was afraid he was getting too powerful. Um, he was allowed to return to Mexico, but much lower rank, and he did continue to explore um, 1541, he did, he did return to Spain, and 1547, he died. Thank you very much for your attention, and I look forward to seeing you. Bye.